Views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and contributors, and not necessarily those of WFSU Public Media. What's the 411? You're tuned in to 411 Teen, a weekly program for teens and families and other interested folks. 411 Teen provides a forum to examine and discuss various issues and events that confront intersect, and sometimes interrupt our daily lives. I'm Dr. Liz Hollyfield. Florida Youth Shine, striving high for independence and empowerment, is a youth-run organization with representation from across the state. Membership is composed of teens and young adults between the ages of 13 and 24 who are current or former foster youth in the Florida child welfare system. Their mission as advocates is to empower, improve, educate, and support the growth of tomorrow's leaders through the combined knowledge and experience of today's youth and supporters. Their goal is to share their stories and experiences in order to improve the system of care for their brothers and sisters currently in care and those who have yet to enter care. Florida Youth Shine has 14 chapters across the state. They come to the Capitol to advocate for issues important to foster youth. 411 Teen applauds the efforts of Florida Youth Shine Advocacy. They have done a well a well seasoned job. They've been around a while. My goodness, I don't know how long you all have been on the program. And we've been talking about different um policies and laws that you would like to see. And I just want you all to know how much I appreciate what you have been doing. So kudos to all of you. Joining me via Zoom, I'd like to welcome Rebecca Baer. Hello, my name is Rebecca Baer, and I am the current statewide chair for Florida You Shine. I was in the foster care system from the time that I was 16 to 18, where I then entered extended foster care until I went off to college. I graduated in 2020 from the Florida State University, (laughs) and I now work for the Florida Department of Health and Safe Place Services. One of my many experiences I had in care was not being able to see my siblings and how that affected me. I went from seeing and talking and texting my siblings to not even being able to see them for the time we were supposed to be allotted, one hour a week. Many times it would be canceled, shortened, or postponed, and I lost a connection with my two sisters while struggling to keep one with my brother. I am happy to say we are close now, and I have started to rebuild relationships with one of my sisters. And I'm looking, I'm so excited to be here today. And I'm very glad to have you. Sophia Coffey? Hello, I'm Sophia Coffey. I'm from the Palm Beach chapter of Florida You Shine and am the current communications and marketing chair of Florida You Shine. I was in care from the ages of 16 to 18, and I'm currently attending Palm Beach State College as a communications major. I entered care at 16. It was like entering a foreign territory for me. I entered care after being arrested and placed on home detention. The task of constantly adapting to new families, schools, and homes was made even more challenging by the backdrop of house arrests. Moreover, the process of navigating these transformations was intertwined with my own journey into womanhood, further underscoring the unique difficulties I faced during my time in care. 
Thank you and look forward to talking with you. I know you have a lot that you can share. Kyle Johnson. Hi, my name is Kyle Johnson. <clears throat> I am part of the Orlando chapter of Florida Youth Shine and serve on the statewide board as the administrative chair. I currently work for Universal Orlando Resort and attend the University of Central Florida, majoring in social work. I was in foster care from 14 until I aged out at the age of 18. My first two years were spent in group home care and then I transitioned into a non-relative placement where I aged out at 18. Okay. Well, welcome to 411 Teen, Brian Thompson. Hello, my name is Brian Thompson. I am 24 years young. I'm currently a part of the Tallahassee and the Broward chapter of Florida You Shine, and I serve as the statewide vice chair. I was in care from the ages of 16 until I aged out at 18. I currently attend Broward College Online, and I'm working at Panera Bread at FSU. And a little bit about my story is that while I was in care, I experienced sibling separation, not being able to see my sister, not being allowed to have a cell phone. And I was only able to go to one court hearing and that was when I aged out of the age of 18. Thank you for having me. You have a, sound like you have a very powerful story. And Tiori Berman Seldon, she is the executive director of Florida Children's First. Hi everyone, I am the executive director of Florida's Children First, a nonprofit independent advocacy organization that is committed to protecting and advancing the rights of children and youth, those that are impacted by the child welfare, juvenile justice, and disability systems. And we do that through systemic reform, education, youth voice, and promoting high quality legal representation. We proudly support and created Florida Youth Shine in 2005 for Florida's youth in the foster care system to have a platform to amplify their voice and bring up their lived expertise to help improve the foster care system. And I am so proud to have worked alongside these amazing youth and young adults over the last decade. Yes, I I am just really proud to have known you all because um, you've been coming on the program for a number of years and your advocacy is just respected. You are really dynamite at what you do and you're very successful. So again, my applause to, to Florida Children's First and Florida Youth Shine. Um, share with us a little bit of the history, um, how Florida Youth Shine evolved. Yes. So Florida Youth Shine actually came into existence in 2005. And so it's been 17 years of amazing advocacy work. Um, and the, since the last time that we actually spoke, we actually expanded it from um, 13 to 24 to now 13 to 26. Oh, years okay. are welcome to join. Um, and we are also now open to those who've experienced homelessness um, to add on to their perspectives and lived experience as well. Um, I would love mm -hmm. to ask if Jory wants to add a little bit more of our history as well. Of course. So at the time, um, young people that were, were not at the table when decisions were made about their lives. And there was a group of advocates through Florida's Children First that realized that we were advocating for their needs, but they weren't at the table. So we said we needed young people at the table. So we were one of the first groups in the nation to do youth advocacy and utilize youth voice and youth experience to inform um, the issues and the changes that need to take place in order for young people to thrive. So in 2005, we created Florida Youth Shine and we continue to support them. However, they have evolved into a tremendous, completely youth-led 
uh, youth organized group where they decide their issues and they inform Florida's Children First and they inform the systems on how to improve the system, including their practices and policies. Um, and they've just evolved into such a great team over the last uh, dec two decades almost um, in, in a strong body in Florida to have. Now, Florida Children's First is the statewide child advocacy organization that created Florida Youth Shine. Did I get that right? Yes, that's correct. Okay. And then you, uh, Florida Children's First, I guess, was established, what, in 2002? 2002, yep. Okay. Just want to make sure I got it right. Um, yes. For those of you who work in foster care, what would you identify as the most difficult aspect of foster care? And I'll just go, start with Rebecca and just go down the list. I find that the most difficult thing um, in foster care is recognizing essentially where you stand, what is normal to you, what, um, you, what resources you have available to you. A lot of it was very confusing during my time in foster care to where I thought that I was in prison because I just didn't know what I could ask for and what I could do. And I was often told no when I should have been told yes. Okay. Sophia? I would say the same thing as Rebecca, as okay. well as having people recognize that we're not troubled youth. We're youth who were just completely uprooted from a life that we once knew. Mm -hmm. And to take the time to understand that, of course, we're going to be sad or upset or sometimes even angry, but you have to help us see that this is what may be best for us. Kyle. I feel like a big part of it is just the lack of communication overall that comes with being in um, foster care. You know, you go from being in whatever living situation you were in before, you were uprooted and brought into um, the foster care system. But a lot of the time, no one really communicates with you and actually tells you what's going on. So you're really left in the dark trying to understand what's really going on in your life and what those changes mean for you. Okay. And Brian. I think for me, and I think for a lot of youth who experience the foster care system, it's the lack of consistency. Mm -hmm. Just having mm -hmm. so many people in your life that are just a revolving door of people. As some people go through so many different case managers and so many different life coaches because there's less, just such a high turnover rate in the foster care system. So really, I think that's what an issue is for a lot of foster youth in Florida. Mm -hmm. It's just the lack of consistency when it comes to the team around the youth. What was the impetus? Why was it so important for you to take up advocacy? I mean, you could easily just been in the program and, you know, did your little stint and gone on, but why advocate? Well, for me personally, mm -hmm. when my sister entered into the care before I did, and granted, I did go through my struggle, her story was a lot worse than mine. And so hearing her story and hearing that I had an opportunity to prevent other people to go through what she went through, I wanted to be able to be that voice that she never had. Okay. All right. 
And does that, I'd like to apply that to all of you because I'm sure that you all are coming from, from different places. Sophia, what was the impetus for you? So it's funny because I never thought of this as an option. And uh. actually in high school, I was an advocate for climate change. And I don't know why it never crossed my mind. Like, <laughs> hey, I'm struggling so hard in the foster care system. Why not advocate for that? It wasn't until uh, my life coach, Mike Yaklis, who you had on before, mm -hmm. came to me and said that he thought that I would be great for it. And the thing that kept me going was before then, I had never met another person other than girls I had been, been in group homes with that went through foster care. So oh. the community, I, I fell into it on accident, but the community is what kept me here. Well, thank you. And I'll ask you to hold your thoughts. We're going to take a brief break. You're tuned into 411 Teen, and I'm talking with Florida Youth Shine. Just tuning in, the program is 411 Teen. I'm Dr. Liz Hollyfield, and this edition of 411 Teen features Florida Youth Shine, applauding them for their years of advocacy and resiliency. Uh, we're so very proud of Florida Youth Shine. I didn't have, all of you did not get to respond to the question about the impetus to advocate, and I'd like to hear from all of you because you're coming from different places, and so... Rebecca, what was it? Why did you have this feel that you wanted to advocate? So it was actually because of this bill that we actually just passed that it really led me to ensuring that I wanted to be an advocate no matter what um, in every field that I can possibly be in. Um, because when I was in the foster care system, I lost about 90% of my rights um, and I didn't know that those were my rights until I started work, um, being a part of Florida U Shine. And when I was about 19, 20, Florida U Shine sat down with me and explained that I had the right to normalcy. Um, I had the right to sibling mm -hmm. vi uh, visitation, right to an education. And I morally learned how to strategically share my story with legislators. So from there, I was able to start developing workshops with Florida U Shine to develop other stories strategically and, you know, move into leadership while meeting with powerful leaders across the state while um, being able to be the statewide, sorry, statewide chair when this mm -hmm. bill passed. I wanted to continue my advocacy work that I developed for Florida U Shine because if it took me to the age of 20 to know what my rights were, I want to make sure that every youth knows what their rights are mm -hmm. um, while they're in foster care. Okay. And I think, what, Kyle? So for me, advocating became a priority once I became a part of Florida Youth Shine. And I just, I learned that not everyone had is, as supportive of a situation that I did. And I just felt like that was unfair and not, it's just not how it should be. Everyone should be guaranteed the same the same easy supportive experience and it just it never sat right with me that to find that it's actually not as common as I would have hoped it was. Mm -hmm. Jory anything you want to add to this? Just um you know I was inspired to, to get into this world because often a lot of this population doesn't have a voice and a choice mm -hmm. 
um, they're not at the tables and they don't really have a voice um, on anything in their own lives. And with Youth Shine, it's really a place that they can have a voice and a choice and they can have that voice and choice for their brothers and sisters that come after them. Okay. Well, when, when minor children or young people are removed from their biological or other custodial adults by state authority, they're placed with temporary parents or foster care. Not knowing their rights and the laws has been a long-time problem for kids in Florida's foster care. Florida Youth Shine and Florida Child Children First have been working on efforts to educate children about their rights for nearly two decades. Senate Bill 272, House Bill 1101, also known as the Nancy C. Dieter Champion for Children Act, was signed into law. Now there's a law that requires the state to educate children about the law. The new law creates a clear process to educate youth and foster care in a developmentally appropriate, consistent way. Let's talk about this win and what it really means for kids. Rebecca, I know you were very enthusiastic and excited about the win. Let's tell me about it. What does it mean? So I'm very excited because we were actually able to celebrate um, our win in our July quarterly meeting um, because of the fact that we have been working on this for over five years. And the issue, kids not knowing their rights and or not knowing the laws and resources that they have available to them. During the time that we were advocating for this bill, we I actually met um, with Senator Garcia and told her a little bit about my little brother um, and I not being able to have visitations. And during this win, my brother is actually able to join us and see the advocacy work we did do. And this meant a lot for legislators to see siblings excited about this law and put a face to the name um, that uh, Chairwoman Garcia heard about. It means that youth won't have, a have to question if what is happening to them is normal or okay or not. They'll just have the ability to review additional resources and know who to contact if they feel they need further assistance. Okay. Anyone want to add to this win and really what it means to them? What it, Brian, what does it mean to you? I know you, were, you stayed in because of your sister. What does, what does this law mean to you? It means to me that a lot of youth won't have to go through what I did, mm -hmm. being separated from my sister. A lot of youth wouldn't have to go through all the many things that she did while she was in care. It means youth have the ability to advocate on their behalf and have something to prove that what they're saying isn't true. Because sometimes when you advocate and sometimes you speak on your behalf, sometimes people don't believe what you're saying. Mm -hmm. So it's amazing to have something there that you can say, this is here and this clearly tells you that this is not right and this is not okay and we need to do something about this. Cal, what are your thoughts about the the win and what it what does this new law do? You know, I think that this is really like it's really gonna impact the way that youth in the system of care experience being in foster care because now they're being educated. I mean, everyone deserves to be educated about laws and resources and just overall systems that impact them. And I think it's really, really powerful that we're able that we were able to 
secure this 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 law for our future and current youth experiencing foster care that now they have the ability and the resources to be educated about about the laws that impact them why was the law important to you sophia and and florida youth shine so this is a bill that florida youth shine has championed for for five years mm. now and it's important to me because you think that it's something so basic that it's something that we would not have to have a law for but sadly we do because so many youth's rights have been violated but they don't even know that they have because they didn't know they had them to begin with um for me i wasn't allowed to join a lot of after school activities and i was taken out of my school where i was in the rotc program for up until my well i started in the rotc program my freshman year and i got taken out of it in the beginning of my senior year. And luckily enough, I'm always been a person who's going to advocate for myself. So I was able to go to the people and let them know like, hey, this is something that I have been doing since my freshman year of high school. Like I planned on graduating with this. And after a month of going up to the office and advocating for myself, I finally got it passed. But many youth don't know that that's something that they can do mm -hmm. for themselves. So I feel like it also gives our youth a louder voice now because they won't be so scared to speak out about the things that are happening to them because they know that there, there's now a precedent set. Growing up in foster care has its own set of demands and adjustments. For our listening audience, I think we should share some of the restrictions that you all had to live under. Um, because I know until I started uh, talking with you all on a regular basis, I had no idea of some of the limitations that you experienced being in foster care. Um, I thought, you know, you could do things just like anybody else. Um, you were in foster care, yeah, but these were your foster parents. They were getting support in num a number of different ways to provide for you. And, you know, I didn't know that you even had problems uh, attending after-school extracurricular activities or getting a driver's license. So it, if you all don't mind, would you share some of the restrictions that you experienced in the system? Because I'm sure that the listening audience has no idea. Well, it's funny that you bring that up because one of the main things and one of the first bills that Florida Shine passed was normalcy mm -hmm. and talking about how youth are supposed to be able to have a normal environment to grow up in. And uh, me personally, the group home that I was in I had a lot of issues with normalcy. And one of the things was that they had a step program where we were not allowed to do certain things uh, depending on however many days for this step. And then once you prove yourself worthy enough, you'll get more access to more things. So one of the things we were not, we're, we're not allowed to do was to leave the site of our staff and we were supposed to be around them all the time for the first step. Then once we do that, move on to the second step. Okay, you can kind of be away from them and you can go outside, but maybe for like an hour if you want to hang out with your friends, then maybe two hours, then three, then four. But the very last step, it 
takes forever for people to get to, which is independence, where you can stay home. You're not required to go with your staff. You're not required to hang out with everybody in your house. So we, we had a lot of issues with normalcy when it comes to just being able to go outside and hang out with your friends. That was one thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Someone else? Rebecca? Uh, for myself, I experienced about 90% of my rights uh, that were taken away in the second that I entered the foster care system. Um, I wasn't allowed to go to school for the first two weeks. I was forced to wear the same clothes for six days until I was able to contact my dad who had an officer bring me my clothes. Um, I had an abundance of other uh, things that occurred to me, like not being able to attend extracurriculars. I wasn't able to see siblings. Um I didn't, I wasn't able to open my own bank account, even though I was 16, 17 without a co-signer or somebody um, was willing to help me, but they wouldn't allow my parents to. Um, It didn't, until I entered my last group home that I was in before I aged out of care, I didn't know um, that I even had the ability to, uh, you know, just be able to see my friends um, because I wasn't allowed to in my first group home. My last group home that I had been in before I aged out, they knew that I was able to do a lot of things. They made sure that I I was educated about schools um, so that I could pick a college to go to, made sure that I had tutoring services and that I was, you know, ready to be an adult. Whereas the first home that I was in was honestly just um, making me feel trapped as a child. Okay. All right. Um, who Who have I not heard from? Kyle. Right. Yeah. So to add on to um to kind of what um what Brian was touching on, uh, you know, him and I stayed in um, the same group home for some mm-hmm. time together, and you know, to add on to like you know going out, being able to see friends, in addition to like some of like, the time restraints, there was also times where we had to um we had to fill out like paperwork to be able to go out. So it wasn't just like you have this hour, you have these two hours to go out and hang out you also had to fill out paperwork to be able to go fill out. So you had to like fill out a form to say who you were hanging out with, where you were going. If someone was driving you, they would have you get the, um, like the adults, like license plate number. It was just like a lot mm-hmm. of uncomfortable information you had to fill out um, that kind of hindered your ability and comfortability being able to take advantage of um, some of the privileges that were given to you. Um but on the other hand, some things that w- that went well for me with this particular placement was that they made sure that I was able to stay in the same the same high school all throughout high school. Um, so not necessarily everything was a negative experience, mm-hmm. but more things than than what should have been were were very restricted. Okay, Joy, do you have any? Thing you'd like to add? What does this? What does the passage of this bill mean to you? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm just so proud of Puerto Rican members and their advocacy efforts for this issue and their resiliency too. We often talk about you know the resiliency that they had to experience in care uh-huh. and how far they've come, but this is really a story of their resiliency and their advocacy journey. Um, you know, they chose this issue originally five years ago in 2018. Um, because they were passing legislation like normalcy. They were, there was legislation so that, you know, Kyle could stay in the same school, so mm-hmm. that, you know, Rebecca could go to college. Um, but 
you can pass laws all day, but if the young people mm. don't know about them, they have trouble envisioning their future. Um, and that's what Shine said was, well, we don't, we didn't know about this until we came to a Shine meeting. <laughs> um, so being able to now um, be educated every six months in an age appropriate way about these laws that are in place, because the legislature has really implemented so many great laws and Florida has a lot of great laws and resources available to young people in foster care. We actually lead the nation very much so. Um, but what Florida didn't have was any process for educating young people, and now they do. Um, so it's very much something for Florida to be proud of and for Florida Youth Shine, of course, to celebrate. Um, and all the supporters along the way and the bill sponsors from day one um, up until the point when it's finally been signed now. Okay. Sophia, what have you learned about advocacy? Yeah, so I've learned just how much work goes on behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. Advocating is so rewarding, but it can become tough. I've learned how to tell my story, which may sound easy because it is my story, but making sure you capture those minute details while also engaging your audience is so important. Making sure not only to focus on your own struggles, but the ones that others have faced as well that you may not have gone through. Through all of this, I have learned better communication skills, public speaking, research and research and analysis skills, empathy, which is mm -hmm. a big one, mm -hmm. networking and strategic planning. All of these I can also take and apply to all walks of life. Um, I compete within the Miss America system, which really mm -hmm. helps me there, like mm -hmm. even doing things like this. Okay, that's great. Um, when you think about advocacy, Brian, um, are there particular skills that you gained through this experience that you want to share? Um, honestly, yes. Uh, the particular skills that I gained is, um, like Sophia was saying, being able to public speak and communicate in a mm. way that similarly to this, which we're basically advocating right now, sharing our stories and sharing our experiences, as well as to being able to walk into a room and show up as authentically and as true to myself as I can and be able to be comfortable and just share how I feel and feel that it is important. That's something that I learned in FYS and being a part of Florida U-Shine has taught me that and that's really what is very special to me because I have the ability now as somebody who is getting older and being a part of this program as long as I have, to be able to show youth that they can do that as well. And I've also had youth come up to me and tell me that they feel like they can be themselves because of me. And the only reason why I wow. need to do that is because of Florida Shine. Yes. That's a real plus. I mean, how does that make you feel? That's great, you know, to say that, you know, you have been, you know, very instructional um, as far as another youth is concerned. It, it makes me feel great, um, especially too, because being a part of Florida Youth Shine and being a foster youth, being somebody who is black, being somebody who is queer and not feeling like mm -hmm. I am a part of any kind of inner circle or always feeling on the outside. Florida Youth Shine has made me feel like I am a part of something, like I am somebody and that I am important. And being able to have other people come to me and say that they feel that because of me is an amazing thing. And I really just thank Florida Youth Shine for giving me that opportunity to make other people feel like how they've made me feel. 
That is fantastic. I Again, I applaud you. For a job well done, you're tuned into 411 Teen. I'm talking with Florida You Shine. We're going to take a brief break, but we'll get right back at you. Views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and contributors, and not necessarily those of WFSU Public Media. What's the 411? You're tuned into 411 Teen, and this is a very special program celebrating Florida Youth Shine. Um, I've been talking with four young folks who have, are members of the Florida Youth Shine community, and all of you, I think, mentioned about transitioning out. And I wanted you to share what happens when one ages out. How does one transition into independent living? Well, you can go ahead, Rebecca. Rebecca? Thank you. Mm-hmm. For myself, um, I had actually turned 18 while I was still in high school. Um, and I had a couple of months left until I was able to, uh, you know, go off to college. And so what happened was that I was offered by my group home, which it doesn't always happen, to be able to stay until I had the date to go up to college and enter my dorm. Um, and so during that transitional time, um, they made sure to assist me in finding, um, you know, my schedule for college, doctor's offices up in Tallahassee, um, ensuring that I was able to find transportation to get up there um, because it is a six hour drive from where I was, which was Palm Beach, Florida. Mm -hmm. And um, essentially just made sure that I had all my documents with me the second that I was um, set to leave uh, the group home. I believe those extra couple months actually really did help me uh, feel that I was more prepared to be an adult than if I had just exited on my 18th birthday. And I think that's I'm sure they did. Now, do you have a similar experience, Sophia? No, I have the complete opposite. <laughs> okay. um, when I was approached about exiting care, I took it. Um, as I said before, when I was a teenager, I was, I don't know who I was angry at, but I took it out on everyone. Mm-hmm. And something about DCF just drove me crazy so when I was told that I could exit that's what I did but no one went into depth with me about what my other options were or tried to sway me into a different option when I was when I said that I wanted to exit it was just like okay here sign this paper you're good to go so the day of my 18th birthday I packed my bags left and then three months later became homeless and I ended up finding my own resources, which is how I found Vita Nova, who helped me get housing and really helped me get back on my feet. But I I tell all of our youth now, do not exit. Don't just think that everything's going to be fine because chances are it's not. You're going to need the help. Okay. So you have have a good uh, story to tell, though. And coming from you, I'm sure that the youth probably connect more so than coming from some someone that's old school. You know, you've been there, you've done it, and you know what happens when you do, you you take one road and, and don't um, take another. Oh, yes. I'm, I'm fine with being the example now. <laughs> as, as long as I can help our youth 
take what route is best for them, Mm -hmm. then I'm okay if I'm the one who has to make the mistake. Well, it's about making this make you you improve and you grow and you learn from it because we're always going to be making mistakes all the time. I think the key is that we don't make the same mistake over and over again. That's when it becomes a real problem. Okay. Um, Kyle, Brian, comments? Well, for me, aging out was Mm -hmm. somewhat difficult, but it ended up working out in the end. For where I was, um, I was in Broward when I was in my group home, and I aged out. I turned 18 when I was in high school still. And with that being said, I they still allowed me to stay there for a little while until I exited college. I mean, exited high school. Mm-hmm. And so throughout that process, I that's when I had my last and only court hearing where they checked up on me and it's like, well, all the problems for the most part have been solved, so um, everything is pretty fine now, I guess. And so you say your only and, court hearing all that time. Yeah, that was only. my one. Yes, my one and only court mm, hearing. Yeah. Okay. Right. And we did that as they, um, my group home was lovely enough to throw me a kind of like an independent living slash graduation party. So there was a bunch of donations that we were able to receive. Mm-hmm. Um, but where we had a lot of issue was that I it was kind of hard for me to find housing for a little bit because. When, at least in Broward, how it worked for me around the time is that when we go to the DCF office, you can go ahead and there's like one person who tells you about all the opportunities of housing where you can find housing. And a lot of the places they had me going were places that were not close to where I wanted to go to school. And um, some of the housing was just deplorable to mm-hmm. be honest. Mm-hmm. And so luckily I had a good enough team that my mentors at the time and my life coach as well were able to put something together and help me find a place that was really nice and I was able to move in with a roommate. So that was really great for me. Mm-hmm. So that kind of worked out in that way. I learned through trial and error and I learned some things on my own, but for the most part, moving out after having a place to move into was great. Okay. Kyle, you want to add anything to that? transitioning out what it means because I don't think the listening audience really knows what that involves and that's why I asked you all to share that and I appreciate you taking the time to share your experiences yeah absolutely so I actually had a pretty simple transition um about two about two years after being in group home care um the parents of one of my close friends from high school actually became my non-relative caregivers and I moved in with them. Um, and after that one, once I turned 18, I just, I remained living with them. So I have, I, I still live with them to this day, actually. So it was a really simple transition. I didn't have to struggle to find housing or make ends meet. I just was able to uh, stay with the same caregivers who, who took me in during high school. And it, which is a really simple, smooth transition for me. Okay. Well, looking ahead, what topics, what issues um, will Florida Youth Shine choose um, for the future? I mean, how do you select? How do you determine? We're going to look at this problem, or we're going to look at that one. How, how do you come to a consensus as to agreeing with what to look at? And that's to whomever, Jory, um, Rebecca, I mean, I'm just wondering where are we going next? I mean, there's always some place to go. 
And so where what's the next thing? What's the new Florida Youth Shine campaign? <laughs> so and, our action sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say, and how do you come up with it? How do you determine how do you select this issue over another? Yes. So our action campaign is actually the result of a youth led process that began with input from hundreds of current and former foster youth, okay. um, as well as uh, those who have experienced homelessness as well. So Florida Youth Shine um, chapters held listening sessions starting in March of 2022, where we asked 250 youth ages 13 to 26 to discuss their experiences in the foster care system, um, as well as homelessness. And we also asked them to describe what supports helped or could have helped them thrive. So their responses then created our Florida's foster care burning wall of issues. Um, these are issues that the youth experts identified as ways in which the foster care system can be improved. Our Florida Youth Shine Policy and Initiative Team, PI Team, a team of youth leaders from Florida Youth Shine interested in substantive um, policy change, then um, took, took the identified issues um, mm -hmm. and categorized them into main themes, where we then asked Florida Youth Shine members around the state to examine the root causes of the issues and to gather experiences and recommendations for the changes. So after that, we, after considering all of the themes and topics at the statewide um, in-person meetings, we prioritized the topics to develop our key 2022 to 2024 Florida Youth Shine youth priorities, okay. which led us to our hashtag youth can shine with campaign. Okay. Um, and so, <laughs> sorry. That, that's the name of our campaign mm -hmm. where we identified um, how youth can shine and care in four different areas. Okay. And what are those areas? So the four different areas is safety, love, quality, stability, housing and economic security, individuals and support to help us into adulthood, and engagement and power. Okay. And what was the first one? Safety, love, quality, and stability. Okay. All right. So, so you, it really takes some, some work, is what I hear you saying. It's not just, you know, you're just pulling something out of the hat. You really do some research and, and get comments from, from youth in the system um, and think about your own experiences, and it's a, a conglomeration of another, a number of different things, right? Did I get that right? Yes. yes. Oh, okay, I <laughs> just want to make sure. All right. Um, Jory, any comments on where we're going? Yeah, just it's really exciting that this is the so they've always had this action cycle, but this is the first year that they're actually leading a campaign. Mm -hmm. um, so really looking forward to seeing um, their recommendations come into play, not just for policies, but for practices too. Um, and as session progresses, I know that the, the youth have just chosen to try and expand some of the supports and services surrounding independent living and transitioning to adulthood. So really taking a closer look at that and trying to expand on some of the support and services available to young people that have been involved in foster care is something really important with Youth Time that they identified in their report and that they hope to work on for legislation this year. Um, and hopefully it won't be as long of a process as their last legislative issue lasting five years, but um, we're helpful because it's such an important issue to Youth Now, in Educate Me, as I understood, I think it was the Florida Children Bill of Rights and Foster, Pair Bill, uh, Foster Parent Bill of Rights um, that required that the rights be posted within their system, the rights be posted where the children can see them, um, 
who, those children who are in foster care. Is that going on? I mean, I'm just trying to find an update on where but things are. That was, um, the foster, there was a foster parent bill of rights many, several years ago. Mm -hmm, that was mm -hmm. by the foster parent association. I don't know if it's foster parents association, but there was foster parents working on that. Um, I don't know if that's passed or not. I don't think so, but there okay. was a requirement in legislation um, that East Shine worked on a few years ago in that something was posted explaining their rights to safety and how to report abuse um, in those homes. And that is definitely supposed to be posted. Mm -hmm. uh, but this new bill, uh, SB 272 HB 1101 that just passed really expands on that because it requires a actual educational process. So materials with a case manager sitting down with the young people okay. and educating them every six months. So it really expands on that. That was a small, small okay. uh, piece of the puzzle that was an exciting win a few years ago. Well, I think that answered because I wanted to know how do children in the, in the system find out about their rights? I mean, is there, are, is there, well, is there milieu monitored periodically? I mean, how do they find out? Now, they have these rights, but if you don't know anything about it, if you don't know what you don't know, I mean, where can you go from there? Do I make sense? Yes, exactly. So that's why up until uh, this year, when this bill finally passed, now mm -hmm. they have somewhere to be educated about it. So every six months, their case manager will educate them in an age-appropriate way with materials that are created from the department in consultation with youth to make sure that they're youth-friendly and understandable. The second part of it is that they have an opportunity to ask questions so that they can make sure that it's clear on their rights. And the third part of it is it's also going to create something called the Office of the Ombudsman within mm -hmm. the Department of Children and Families. Mm -hmm. And they can call that office if they have a question about their rights that their case manager might not be able to answer. Um, or, you know, they, help, they need help navigating something um, that their case manager might not be able to help them with. So that office is supposed to be a central place to help with that communication process so that young people feel that they have a place to call and they have supports available. So their responsibilities are to, to educate the kids and respond to the questions when they call. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's one, one of the main things that they are to do. Yeah. Okay. All right. What resources are available to help you all achieve all of this hard work to help you be successful? Um, honestly, a lot of us found out about Florida U Shine and through maybe a mentor, maybe through a caseworker. So honestly, a lot of us, it was just having somebody in our circle who was well-informed enough to let us know that advocacy is an option. Mm -hmm. And for us to continue to do this amazing work, honestly, it's just having amazing youth who find out about us. So just spreading the word and being able to let youth know what their options are and that they don't have to take or allow other foster youth coming behind them to take all of the abuse, all of the mistreatment and care. Mm -hmm. That was one of the main things. And another main thing is just having great people on your team. Unfortunately, not a lot of foster youth have great people on their team, but for some of us, we've at least had maybe one or two people that we end up meeting that end up changing our lives forever. Is there an avenue for individuals who may hear this program, who may want to become 
involved as a mentor, as a volunteer, you know, in that type of capacity to do so? And if so, where do they go? Who do they contact? I, and that's to I don't know who. Jory, maybe that would go to you. I don't yeah, know. I'm happy, I'm happy to share. We always love supporters, and there's different ways to be involved, of course, in our organization. Um, we encourage you to visit Florida Youth Shine's website, floridayouthshine.org, um, which also links to floridachildrenfirst.org. And you, there's a contact us page, and you can absolutely reach out if you're looking to get involved. We do have chapter mentors, which is ties into your last question, your other question. They are amazing chapter mentors that work with our partner agencies, um, and they are a really great resource to our young people. Um, so that is one major thing that we have uh, a support system for our young people through our Youth Shine chapters. So there are so many, there are many ways to get involved in Florida Youth Shine, um, and we always need extra sets of hands. And of course, we're always looking for amazing partnerships with organizations to host chapters if they are working with these young people. And also mm -hmm. um, our young people do training all around the state and virtually. So if that is a group that you, you know, feel like your agency or your organization or you're working in the system or volunteering in the child welfare system and you'd like to be educated directly from the youth, uh, Florida U Shine absolutely loves to do that and speak with individuals. So you can reach out through our website. Okay. Closing thoughts, anything that you all would like to share in 30 seconds, <laughs> but it, you know, anything that you feel like people need to know about Youth Shine that maybe I haven't covered or you just feel very passionate about and you'd like to share it right quickly? Uh, well, for me personally, I just want it to be known that Florida Youth Shine is a very important program in Florida. And I think that it's important to have groups like Florida Youth Shine who uplift foster youth and allow them to share their voice and to advocate for themselves and to advocate for others so that way change can be implemented and that mm -hmm. youth can feel like their voices should be heard because they should be. Mm -hmm. Youth are the reason why so much is changing. That's, that's just the truth of it all. We are the reason why so much is changing. And when we forget about youth in the foster care program it's no longer foster care program All it becomes right. something completely different well time out for this edition of 411 teen we again applaud florida youth shine for their advocacy to my listening audience much appreciation for your time and ear tune in next week same time same place to get the 411 on 411 teen 411 teen was produced by dr liz hollyfield Technical assistance was provided by Evan Rossi. If you would like to participate in the 411 team or have suggestions for discussion topics, call 850-645-7200. 411 teen archives are available as streaming audio at wfsu.org.